Before we get started, this episode of the Food Grower Podcast is sponsored by Direct Plants Limited, and specifically their amazing range of polytunnels. We use these strong and affordable tunnels on both Jack's Patch and Fanfield Farm, and we love them. Direct Plants manufacture the tunnels themselves so that you can buy your polytunnel direct from the manufacturer, and not just any manufacturer, but from growers too, so that they really understand what you need. These traditional high-quality polytunnels are available in a range of sizes to fit your growing needs and they're manufactured here in the UK in Norfolk. We're delighted to bring you a brilliant 10% off the entire range at directplants.co.uk. Simply head over there and use the code FOODGROWER at checkout. That's FOODGROWER, all one word, no spaces, at directplants.co.uk. This episode is also brought to you by Natural Grower. Natural Grower's award-winning liquid fertiliser, plant feed and soil conditioner is made entirely from maize. It's naturally rich in nitrogen, potash, phosphate and other trace elements that plants and vegetables love. And it's approved by the Soil Association, Vegan Society and Biodynamic Association. The concentrated natural fertiliser can be poured around the base of plants, whilst the plant feed and soil conditioner can be mixed into the soil or used as a mulch on the surface as a long-term, slow-release fertiliser on all outdoor and indoor plants. Both Jack and I have been using the Natural Grower products this year and have seen amazing results and we have a fantastic 15% off the entire Natural Grower range for you. Simply go to naturalgrower.co.uk and enter foodgrower15 at checkout. Welcome to the Food Grower Podcast, the podcast that tells the story, highlights the techniques and talks tactics with food growers from all around the world. From market gardeners to allotment holders, field farmers to urban farmers, we want this podcast to inspire you to grow food or help you on your already existing food empire. I'm Chris from Fanfield Farm. I'm Jack from Jack's Patch. And it's my pleasure to introduce Elliot from Urban Farming. Yo, what's up, Elliot? How you doing, man? Real good, mate, thanks. Yeah, good. How's your week been so far? Oh, God, yeah, hectic. Um, I've had a combination of uh, personal and business busyness. It was my missus' uh, birthday this weekend, so I was at Ronnie Scott's, the jazz place in London last oh, night. Oh, awesome. Yeah, um, you know, a couple of beers later, and then, uh, and then, <laughs> and then today straight into to packing mushroom substrate, which is a grisly job. Especially when you've got to do it for hours and hours. So yeah, it's a, but the, the week has just been crazy. Obviously, build up to Christmas. It's our prime time of year, um, but we're all making the most of it. So positive but busy. Yeah, I wouldn't want to hang over and have one of those dust masks on. That's bro. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, tell us a little bit about what you do and, and what you do over there at Urban Farm. It'll be good to get background for everyone listening. What we do, um, God, it's a big question. Like when I when I when I started the business, I was massively ambitious with all the different directions I wanted to go down. Um, you know, we kind of say that our pillars, our three pillars, are product, consultancy, and education. Um, so on a top line, that that's what we do. But on a day to day basis, uh, we're we're kind of like distributors, advisors, teachers content writers, um, grafters, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And, and yeah, and everything in between that, really. Um, yeah, oh God, like I say, it's so difficult to just, I could talk for the whole hour on, on, on just like the what we do bit. But essentially, I would say the key bit is that we, you know, we provide products to people and then we, we educate them to improve their food growing capabilities. 
Man, yeah, I think that's something we saw online is it's a, like that is a big part of what you do. It's not just yeah. supplying products, but the education side of it, you get given a login. I want to yeah. talk a little bit more about that in a little bit's mm. time. Yeah. Um, but what about you? What about your background before you started this? What got you here? Yeah. Um, so I've done all, all sorts of bits and bobs, really. Um, my background, I'm trained as a fish farmer, basically. So mm-hmm. uh, I went to uni and did um, a degree in aquaculture and fisheries management, which was wicked, you know, gave me a good rounded understanding of ecological principles and how to cultivate stuff and how to look after livestock and how to work hard. And I did that up in Scotland doing salmon and trout um, for a few years. And, you know, that was another one that was grizzly on some days and yeah, the best job in the world on other days. Um, and then, yeah, following that, went over to Australia and did barramundi farming out there as well. Um, and then sort of traveled around India and Vietnam and did bits and bobs sort of small scale for people over there and really kind of like, it was over like the last like three or four years of traveling that the idea for urban farming matured when I sort of kept hearing people from all over the world, all different demographics crying out for the same thing. Um, and that's, you know, like a straight line supported way to becoming more self-sufficient and more sustainable, really. Uh, definitely has definitely has an impact, doesn't it, when you're traveling? Because I think everyone's mm. in that same mindset. Yeah. And then you're seeing those different types of uh farms whether you like as you said you've been scotland you've been australia mm. been over like uh southeast asia as well and, mm. and you just t- you cherry picking the best bits from all of yeah, it yeah and, yeah, and then yeah, when you come home i feel i feel like you realize well there's a huge gap in the market here for that and no one's doing it and then my favorite quote is like be the change you wish to see in the world so like if yeah. you can't find it you're that person to do it yeah yeah i think the, the amazing thing the thing that like really opened my eyes was when you know you see people well let's let's put it this way like if, if you're like a small farmer or something like that in india then it, you know if if your crops don't work or something like that that's life and death for your family where you don't have the same sort of level of support as what we do out here and what i really admired about people in kind of less economically developed countries was like how ingenious they got and how you know they were growing efficiently with zero budget and having come from a traditional agricultural background you kind of feel like oh you need all the most biggest expensive pieces of kit everything has to be electrified you know you have to have a soil like moisture monitor for this you know like a growth rate controller for that or whatever it is and these guys are out there and they were sort of achieving proportionally the same output from like their back gardens with some recycled materials and it was and i think it was that inspiration where i was like well why is it that all of these big farming companies you know, doing these great things like aquaponics, hydroponics, mushroom farming, um, and like day-to-day people in the UK aren't. And I think it's just like, there's that missing link there of, you know, they just don't feel like, well, cause we haven't been pressured, you know, our back hasn't been to the wall. We haven't had to become ingenious. Um, so we haven't had to learn how to do it, you know, without paying big bucks or doing it the high tech way. And so I kind of wanted to help people bridge that gap and like, you know, find ways that they can do it cheap and, 
environmentally friendly just for themselves that's brilliant man that's amazing it's so inspiring it it, it has so many parallels with say what we do here or say small-scale farming as well because yeah it, when we sort of put a business plan together for for this um, market garden here and we were looking at sort of profit within two years you go to anyone in conventional agriculture not just in this country but across the world and you'll be laughed off of the yeah they'll say uh, you're, the you're, meeting. you're joking yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah. the difference is, we're not paying half a million for a for a, for a combine or two hundred thousand for a big old clever tractor and things like that. So, yeah, it's taking those old old and, and a lot of it is obviously inspired by old French market gardening in in what we do. But taking you know those inspirations like, is amazing. Farmers, look, I love farmers. I am one. Okay, but like farmers, particularly the old school school type of farmers, like they just they. <laughs> They don't really like light change that much. Um, I can tell that from you know supplying them and working with them in business as well as being on the other side of it. And uh, you know, growing up and do and ha- ha- had like loads of fresh ideas. And when I was up in Scotland, had ideas. Um, and it, I kind of felt like if you didn't have grey hair, you didn't get listened to. You know, I, I would go to a conference and I'd band around ideas like, well, why doesn't anyone do that? And like you say, you kind of get laughed off because what you're talking about is not like you know, millions of quids worth of kit and it doesn't do tons and tons of produce. Um, that's not to say that it doesn't have a place. Yeah. But we're seeing waves. We're seeing changes, aren't we? So Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's because of like stuff like this, you know, like the Food Grower podcast, like, Thank you. you know, me shouting it high. It's just... Um, I th- yeah, you got it's got to be voice first, isn't it, before anyone can listen. Yeah. Uh, I, I still want to just tap up Back, like back into what you said about inventive, like being inventive and, and seeing uh, a lot of people with a back up against the wall. And it's like, well, what can I do with what I've got here? Yeah. Um, I, I did watch a small, uh, small documentary, like it was like BBC as well. And a scientist went out to Syria uh, and it, there was loads of mattresses in this where um, in one of the big tents in one of those refugee camps. And he, he actually uh, used the mattress foam um, because they had like loads of it when he cut open a mattress and then started to use that as a hydroponics. Yeah. So he set up a system. Like a little wicking system or something. Yeah. Mm. But it was, it was so cool. sick. And then, and then so many, uh, there was a couple of them who started businesses out of it. And you could see in a back garden, they had all like plastic cups that people were like one use and you'll chuck. They were cutting mm. slits in them and then putting the foam in there, putting the seed and just like empowering them. And but I you've think done it yourself, mate. You've done it yourself. Your bloody um, what was it? Your your bottle uh, the greenhouse, the bottle greenhouse, mate. <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is bang on exactly what I'm talking about, and that is yeah. that's the stuff that you see more often than not in these places. Uh, you know, mm. like whereas here it's the exception. So mm. yeah, lot to learn from that. Not brilliant. Sorry, I'd like to say something about that linked into this. That um, I'm working with a couple of charities out in like Uganda, and what I want to do is sort of go out there and basically like bring our modern view and technology to them but then also like learn their ancient ways of doing things yeah bring that back here because i feel like ours is imperfect and theirs is imperfect but you know somewhere you know like in harmony between the two styles you know is 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 like the the, the paradise you know mm. yeah definitely sharing that knowledge like the yeah you, you as you're right you're going to hit that sweet spot yeah yeah brilliant and it feels like in this movement now especially like with yourself and and people doing this sort of thing there's this wanting to share knowledge 
Yeah, and not to, I don't. I don't want to hate on unconventional agriculture any more than I already do. But there seems to be in, in that, and I don't know whether it's because everyone was competing for the five mm. same five supermarkets to sell mm. to, but yeah. it was very much no. This is my knowledge. I'm going to keep it within my farm or my family, mm. and that they just didn't want to get on or didn't want to collaborate. And it seems like that's yeah. changing. I mean, I don't like to get. <laughs> I don't like to get political. I do have strong political views, but I try not to voice them too hard. Um, but, you know, like I, I do feel that what you're talking about there, yes, 100%, but it starts at the top, um, oh, yeah. you know, and, and it's all money driven. And I just feel like British culture, well, we're, I reckon we're about 10 years behind, you know, places like America, regards like this sort of movement. But I just feel like the time is ripe for, for change and, and the voice is getting louder and it will, um, yeah, it's going to be like undeniable soon, you know. Mm, hope so. Hope so. <laughs> God, I sound like I sound like a preacher. <laughs> I'm not right. really. I'm not very. But amen. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> no, we we speak like this all the time. I, I feel like we we don't try and be like too political on the podcast. But but I think everyone it's has hard that. not to. Yeah, we have it this bo- we have this bottom line view of like when we like. Uh, I mean, I, I've met come down at. Uh, plenty of times Elliot as well as well as seeing Chris but when you talk that conversation just goes that way because it's that mm. there's been there's things that are being suppressed uh things in the UK that make us feel like a bit third world because there's there's not that infrastructure there yet and and mm. things like us doing the podcast is birthed well we're doing the podcast because we can't find this this and this and uh yeah we just need to come together and then talk about these things and we can all help each other out we've been inspired by every grower on here so yeah. far and I, I, yeah i think i got this kind of like this this sort of like theory i mean someone's probably spouted about it before but um basically like progression i think is is like a circle you know you think that progression is a straight line um because it's it's a to z and then beyond or whatever but actually i think it's more like a circle and you know historically post-industrial revolution and all that kind of thing like we're the modern world uh but like what's going to happen i think is that people who are maybe having like a tribal type living in the future will be the progressive ones and they'll be what we're aspiring to be and like that's essentially like what we're talking about here is Going back to the going back to your roots and striving to start from the beginning again, you know, yeah. it's like uh, it's really weird sort of idea that something that should be a straight line isn't. Yeah, and I know a little yeah, thing nice. as well. When you get into this, you realise growing food should be so basic knowledge, and but it's not. Yeah, yeah, and and it's not. And it, you're right. If there's like, if shit really hits the fan, you're gonna need to know that sort of stuff. Yeah, I need to. Because otherwise, yeah, you, we're going to have a lot of people uh, knocking on our door. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind that either. I don't mind that either. But uh, yeah. no, you'll be even more popular, Jack. <laughs> if it's possible. Oh, shut. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> so you, you said um, recently that you've been super busy with urban farming. Obviously, you've got a big yeah. lead up to Christmas. How yeah. has the year before this sort of busy period been for you guys? Oh. Since day one, it's been hectic for me. I mean, Jack, Jack's, Jack's starting to know me a little bit now. Like, you know, I'm hungry for to do great things. And, and, you know, I'm a strong believer that to be able to do great things, you need to come from a strong position yourself. You know, I, 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 wanna, I want Urban Farm It to get as big as possible and as strong as possible so that it can influence, like, real change, you know? Yeah. And... Um, 
like you know i'm like a dog with a bone once i've got an idea um and i got a bit of faith in something i you know i pursue it mercilessly and that's the way it's been for me it's literally taken over my life entirely since we started back in start of 2020 so so yeah like the, but the last year especially because it's like uh it's like a snowball isn't it you know yeah <clears throat> and stuff just the more you feed it the more it grows and then stuff that seemed like challenges six months ago are easy now and but now our challenges are twice as big and it's not just the volume of of like work that we're doing but also like the depth um like i find it mentally very challenging because i'll have like a phone call and it'll be you know some scientists talking about developing um grow um mushroom building materials at a high level and then the next phone call i have will be with you know my mate who's helping me um put together our mushroom growing courses and then the next call after that will be like some random person like hey my mushrooms don't work and then you're like well why is that and they're like oh because i put it in the oven and then you know it's like <laughs> the range of what i've got to deal with is i just... told you not to talk about that call earlier <laughs> <laughs> yeah i could doubt with something. sorry mate yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know you know what i mean it's not just the physical it's not just the volume it's like the the, the mental journey that this has taken on. I mean, to give you an idea, I didn't know what a trademark was when I started the business, you know, and, and now like, you know, we're doing big stuff and like, we're proud about it, but mm. fucking hell, it's been a tough journey to get there. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And I, I really like something you tapped on there as well is that um, it's something I was just talking about on a, on a post recently is that the idea that you need to, well, it came to me on as I was going on holiday, um, much needed one, but the, the idea that you put your mask on before someone else's and you sort of alluded that there, that if you really want to make big change, you need to make sure that you're sorted out mm. or you've got mm. a good standing first. Yeah. I mean, there's this weird thing like in, it's changing now, now that a bit more money's in, in the kind of like sustainable industry, but like a lot of people seem to think that to be, to do good things environmentally or to, to do things ethically, you have to not make any profit. And like <laughs> that, that, that's, it's like a weird perception, but it's not true because actually I think the polar opposite is true where, you know, the more resources that you can create to then call on, then the, you know, the bigger oomph you've got in dealing with some of these problems yeah. And, you know, like we're not perfect, um, but, you, you know, you can just try really hard at the level that you're at um, to do, make the right decisions and, and whatnot. And then, you know, as long as your intentions are good, then I think, you know, you, come, you use that as your compass. You're never going to go far wrong, are you? Love that. Brilliant. So, Ilya, we've both bought um, your mushroom products before, but uh, something felt great about the whole process was <laughs> to focus on the educational stuff. Uh, yeah. like, and, I, and I know you're super proud of, uh, the website and it was a big launch recently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Leah, just tell us a little bit about that. So yeah, in line with what we were saying about people feel like they need support and, you know, to start on these food growing journeys and, and um, you know, what I'm trying, what we're trying to encourage is people to get creative. You can't expect like people to be able to do that without a bit of help. And British culture is very geared up towards, you know, give it to me. Um, so, I tried to, well, we've worked really hard to create like learning resources to suit people. And we're really dynamic based on our feedback to, to improve that, you know? So like we've got videos and tutorial, like pictures that are helpful and, um, and all that stuff, which is like so important. No, de definitely. You just need that extra bit. That's what I like about your grow kits as well. Mm. 
um and chris has had like really good results recently yeah go on yeah. son <laughs> yeah. after, after the oven yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah forget no, about that so bit, but it, it winds me up it really winds me up like that products out there that claim to be educational so somebody will be like this is an educational thing because there's an opportunity to learn from it right just because there's something that gives you an opportunity to learn doesn't mean it's educational you know mm -hmm. a lot of these products out there they're literally like here's your product fuck off go learn it yourself you know yeah. and it's like that's what we really didn't want to do like just because it's something that's like that like stimulates the brain it doesn't, in my view, make it educational. I, I feel like for that to be the case, then there has to be associated support with it. Um, and yeah, like that's something that's really important to me anyway. Well, that's something that came across straight away and I was blown away. And I guess, I guess we've just been conditioned to think that most these grow kits or anything along those lines, just anything, as you say, is here it is now make the mistake yourself or learn it yourself. Mm. And so I was so pleasantly surprised. I picked up, um, uh, an oyster mushroom kit from yourselves. Yeah. And cause Jack just said that the product was awesome. And then just to get like an email straight after, here's your login, here's all the things you can learn from it. And just yeah. to read it, some of that knowledge, like that condensed into a 1599 book on, on Amazon and <laughs> normally. So the amount yeah, yeah. of value that was in there that added on to it. Yeah. And then just the simplicity of some of it as well. I was just so amazed by just that the A4 sheet that comes in the box was yeah. enough for me to, to, to grow well two flushes so far, far of oysters yeah, that have been lush. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. no, it's, you've hit the nail on the head with it, mate. Well, you don't want to overcomplicate this stuff. You know, like the whole point is that I'm trying to make people believe that this is a, that they're able to do it at home themselves, you know, and it's like, Oh God, I'm, to be fair. Right. So there'll probably be somebody listening to this that six, and six months ago, they bought a kit. Um, and it might not, what you're saying might not make sense, but like, that's because of that, but it's because we we've developed and, and responded so rapidly to like feedback I think like the kit now, it's probably like, it's literally probably like the eighth revision of, mm -hmm. of, of the content and the style and, and, the, and, and the setup and, and the, you know, the weighed ratios of the bits in there, you know, that's like eight revisions in like 18 months for any product. That's ridiculous. And like, that's why we're so stretched in the back end here because, you know, we get three bad comments about something and we change it. And that's just the way that it is, you know? So the message is if you bought one six months ago, buy another one. And <laughs> yeah. Then you'll, then you'll yeah, find yeah. out that it's, well, yeah. <laughs> you just call, call me right out there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to do some selling for you. Um, man, a lot of your products, and we've, we've touched on it, but not really named it, but products, education, posts on social media, a lot of it's about mushrooms. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and we've touched on there. So what was it that was so important and, and brought that to the forefront of Urban Farm It for you guys about yeah. mushrooms? Well, the thing is that I, when, I, when we first started delving into mushrooms, for me, it, it wasn't like what I imagined the, the majority of the, the business to be. Mm. Um, but, you know, I've always tried to be flexible. You know, well, like I said, you know, my backgrounds in fish farming and, you know, aquaponics was really like my bread and butter. Yeah. Uh, I've barely done it over the last year and a half. I hardly touched it just because the mushrooms has been so engaging. And you know what it's like? It's the old, like, when life gives you lemon, make lemonade and all that. Um, it, there's... I think as a small business, you've got to stay dynamic and, you know, just because your business plan or your idea says you're going down a certain direction, like you'd be foolish to resist the natural like way that it develops. And it's just one of those, it just developed into a, an integral part of our business. And then of course, tied into that is all of like the crazy good benefits of mushrooms, which, you know, I hold my hands up when I started using mushrooms it, it, for, as part of the business, I didn't know. Um, you know, I'm not claiming to know everything, but 
I definitely learn very quickly and, and put a lot of time and effort and care into learning the right stuff. Um, and, you know, it's just unbelievable. Like when you peel away the layers of what their role is going to be in regeneration going forward, you know, you peel one over and your mind's blown and you think surely there can't be more cool stuff to learn. And then you take another layer off and you're like, fucking hell, there's more. <laughs> and then you're like, there's more and there's more. Um, and I think, so why mushrooms are so important as a general thing, you touched on it there, you know, people talk a lot about sustainability. I actually think sustainability is outdated now. Like, yeah. what, like we, we, yeah. why, why are we trying to sustain? <laughs> yeah, we need to be talking about regeneration already. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we as the human race have been caught napping already. Um, like, let's not let it happen again. Let's get back on the front foot um, mm -hmm. and talk about regeneration more than sustainability. Yeah, love that. Love that. I, I constantly call people out on that. I hate that word now. Well, mm. it's just, the it trouble is regenerative sense. is hard to say, though, isn't it? Especially if you say it quickly. Regenerative farm. Yeah. It's quite tough. But yeah, we do, we do need to be improving what we've got now because what we have now isn't good enough. So That's it. Yeah, yeah. But look, at the same at the same time, you know, it's easy for guys like us whose passion it is to to say that. Like it's all about baby steps and mm. and whatever and and like, you know, that's why like with the products I try not to make it too overwhelming and in-depth. You know, I could talk about the ways that the mushrooms improve soil ecology. Uh, you know uh, in the kit but that would be counterproductive because you, you're trying to make someone run before they can walk and like if you could just get someone to recycle who doesn't recycle that's a bloody good start you know and then <laughs> and then in, in a couple of years time maybe then they'll be talking about introducing mushroom mycelium into their garden to improve their soil structure um if you give them a couple of hours with me they will be anyway <laughs> well all that a lot of that info is on the website as well it's all there. It's all there. We'll try like a layered approach to it. Yeah, no, de definitely. And what I like about your kits over most is the, you strip it back to, I give you the power to build that kit. So, mm. and, that, and that's what I love mm. uh, because that, as we've spoke before, a lot, a lot of the kits are fruiting kits um, and, and that is great. And that is great. And it's super fascinating. That's the most uh, fascinating visually to do, but I like that you, yours is uh, one step yeah. further back. And, and, and I know Chris enjoyed the process because yeah. I've got tons of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's, is this um, right? Can I harvest this yet? Is yeah. it right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, mate, you, like, you sent me a picture an hour ago. <laughs> yeah. but, but look, I think that's really important. I think it's really important. And like, to be honest with you, it was a bloody gamble from us because you add another step into the process. You add risk that there may be failure, you know, like, because it's another thing that that a novice or you know might not get right, mm. um, and it make, me, means it's even more important that the associated support is spot on. Then, um, but also tied into that, that you give them bloody good quality spawn, like that's the key. Um, you know, if we were peddling crap spawn, it wouldn't work that format. It's only because you know we get we out. Well, I think we got. Well, I know we've got the best spawn in the country, and it doesn't come any fresher than what we put in those kits. You know, and that's the key. It truly is. Absolutely love that. I mean, like I said, I've been blown away by um, by, by by how easy it is. I mean, I can yeah. see where I yeah. can because I've I've taken on that kit and 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 I learn in the same way that you've sort of assumed that I might learn. I've taken the full kit, 
done that, learned those processes. And, and I know I've got a short attention span. So I know if, that, <laughs> if I had to read a manual before doing it, it just wouldn't happen. Mm. Um, I was never good at those big Lego castles where you had like 50 steps before you could yeah, see yeah, any yeah. progress. But yeah. so to take that on, but that's made me hungry, mm. made me hungry to then go on to the next step. And obviously yeah. be inspired by, by your, your social media channels, seeing what Jack does as well. So yeah. I've been blown away. <clears throat> but in terms of those, those simple kits for anyone who's listening that was like me, three months ago can you run us through that sort of simple process um yeah. just really short and and just to sort of inspire people into it so something that i keep like banging on about and keep trying to hammer, hammer home is that like well with the oyster mushrooms in particular um if you just follow the rules the simple rules and the simple stage of the life cycle you know you can grow mushrooms anywhere anyhow all right mm. and that is just you know Give them suitable conditions, which isn't difficult to make. Stop them drying out and give them a high-quality food source. Um, <clears throat> so we've kind of done all that for you in the kit. Um, a big thing in mushroom farming, if you want to have success, is, is timing and, and, and like your mix ratios, basically. So um, if we use grey oyster as an example, you know, a high-tech professional farmer might mix at a 3% mix ratio. So they'll put in 3 grams of spawn to a hundred grams of dried substrate. So it comes and it's got the correct ratio in there for you. Um, you literally just mix it together, um, following oh, boiling water first, then mix it together once it's cooled. And then, you know, the next main rule really after that is patience and allow it to incubate properly. You know, biologically how this works is that, you introduce spawn, which is one genetic individual, but it's like billions and billions of fingers and cells. And when you mix it in, you then need to allow it time to spread throughout the substrate. And um, they're called saprophytes, basically. So they're a digesting organism. Um, and one of the amazing things that you'll learn from what listening to you know, guys like Paul Stamets and that is how closely related we are, you know, back in the millions and millions of years ago, we went down the route of internal digestion, but mushrooms continued down the path of external digestion. Um, you know, and it's simple, really, if you don't feed it, it won't grow. So allow it time to incubate fully. Don't rush onto the next step after that. Wait until it's nice and thick and white and you're confident that, 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 that you know, the organism stored up enough energy. Um, and then the next sort of primary stage after that is fruiting, where you just give it light. What you're basically, what the kit does is it allows you to create the conditions that a mushroom would go through in a forest, but sped up. Um, so rather than a lonely spore floating through the air and landing on a huge log and slowly colonizing it, you know, you're introducing a high mix rate of spawn. That first incubation phase where it's spreading through and digesting, that's exactly what happens inside, inside of a fallen tree. You know, the mycelium spreads its fingers throughout, it digests. Um, you know, harnesses nutrients. And then once it realizes that it's fully occupied the area and it's got suitable amounts of nutrients saved up, you then just give it what it would, what it would find when it reaches the edge of that log. You know, you give it some light and you allow it to have a slight drop in temperature and to be exposed to more humidity. And that's it. It'll go, you know, so the kit takes a complex thing and makes it, you know, beautifully simple. Mm. And I'm going to put in the show notes of this, the link to the video 
um, so that people can, yeah, I'd yeah. love people to just see that and see the simplicity because to a lot of people, not to, not to us now, but to, to a lot of people, some of the things, I mean, I sent a picture of the fully grown oyster mushrooms to my mum and she was like, are they alien? <laughs> but people do assume those sorts oh, of things. Um, God, and it's, yeah. it's like one corner of a shelf that you can possibly get oyster mushrooms. And that's only in Sainsbury's or Waitrose. So yeah. they are alien to some people, but the things you can do with them, I've been blown away. Like the, the food that I've created yeah. from them has, has, yeah, changed my outlook in just, insane amounts just as like a sidetrack to what you're saying there and i'm probably gonna look like a weirdo um but fuck it like i think that i think that uh you know the conspiracy theorist in me <laughs> and i gotta be careful where i go here like it doesn't i heard this the other day and i was like that doesn't sound ridiculous and to, if you'd if you'd presented this idea to me a few, couple of years ago i'd have said you're an absolute fucking lunatic but it presented itself to me recently and I was like, that doesn't actually sound too far-fetched. And it's that the first living thing to land on this earth, to arrive on this earth was mycelium because it shares so many properties with, with literally every animal and plant in the world. Like they sit beautifully slap bang in the middle of the other kingdoms. Um, and they're so resilient you know, radioactivity, freezing, superheat, underwater, yeah. like you name it, they can hack it. And they develop so bloody fast. And, 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 you know, I just, I actually don't think it's that ridiculous to assume that that might have, you know, potentially been the case. I mean, I'm sure I'll get corrected by somebody listening in, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's all, it's could all any of us survive without it though? So I don't <laughs> think anything not. on earth Absolutely could. Absolutely not. So. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And, and nobody fucking knows about it, which is just outrageous. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like it's like a key pillar of life, and people don't even realise that what they're looking at on the forest floor is is mycelium. And it's like, what the hell? Like we, mm. you know, people need to learn a bit more about this stuff if they're going to actually take part in regeneration moving forward. Mm. Definitely, the secret's under our feet, isn't it? And and, and luckily, uh, things like Fantastic Fungi are on Netflix now for the world to see. And, yeah, yeah. and people, are, it's entering the conversation now. Um, and it explains yeah. in that it's the, it's the world's recyclers. Um, yeah. The fact that we've got mushrooms now that eat plastic. Um, it's just developing itself, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, mop up oil, all that stuff. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, something that I found quite funny that when I was like, I was like, bloody hell, it really is getting everywhere now. It was I was looking for some new pajamas for my missus, and uh, it was on like the first, like one of the first things I looked at, and it was like mushroom pajamas. <laughs> and, and I was like, there's no way that that would have been a seller 10 years ago. No way that that would have done well. And now it's like getting cleaned out. And it, it, it's a silly <laughs> example, but it goes to show that all like one of the girls here has mushrooms on a bottle, like a water bottle, you know, it's like, it, it, they're silly examples, but the way that it's starting to ingrain in popular general culture is important, um, you know, because it makes people aware that these are important things a lot more than what they were before. Yeah. No, I, I've just recently picked up a, uh, there was like a baby's rattle in a zero waste shop and it was a mushroom of course it was yeah <laughs> it's um it's on my like stall now when i do a market and so, as so many people point it out and it, and like the kids are like, oh look at that and yeah yeah no you you got to have a little mascot and i was i was well happy with that but yeah they're, they're everywhere mate well you, you've probably seen my silly hat i wear at the market it's Love like it. Love yeah it. I need to get Love one them. Although I keep getting pulled up on a technicality because it is more like a toadstool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you get the odd, the odd witty bloke come along who will point that out. And I'm like, fair play to you, mate. I'll take my hat off to you for that one. But, um. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, 
like back on the questions um <laughs> you have kits for the likes of shiitake mushrooms uh which yeah. need to be grown in logs outside can you tell us about the process of growing um yeah and very different and the conditions yeah very different so whereas the oyster mushroom growing kits the way I, like, I talk to people about it when we're selling it at markets is like the oyster mushroom growing kits are copying what nature does right it's allowing you to copy nature in your own home because you're creating a similar environment that isn't actually anything like what they would be like in the in, in nature but you, you give them those conditions the log growing kit is literally doing nature it's doing exactly the same as what happens naturally except you're just accelerating it and controlling it a little bit more you know to make it chances of success better so you know in the natural environment mushroom fruits and blows billions of spores around the place and there's like a lovely freshly fallen oak tree nearby and one of those spores lands on that and you know it infiltrates and it begins to spread and then, you know, a couple of years later, you get mushrooms growing out of it. Our log kits enable you to do that exact thing. So instead of a spore floating around randomly in, in, in the world, we've got little oak dowels. And they're like the same things that you put together your IKEA furniture with. Mm. And um, it's got mushroom mycelium living on it. So when you talk about spawn, you can get grain spawn and you can get dowels and you can get sawdust spawn, you can get straw spawn. All that that is spawn is mycelium living on a, on a, on something um and you know in our kits it's on a wooden dowel and that makes it really easy to introduce to a log because you just drill into the log bang in the dowel seal it up uh, and then you just allow nature to take its course you know you could just leave that in your garden and and it'll probably work but if you were really keen you know you could bring it into your garage in the winter to keep the temperature up a little bit you know basic rules basic rules of cultivation Warmer temperatures means better growth generally, right? Um, but you don't have to. And that's what I love about it is that if you wanted to pursue a permaculture style lifestyle, it is the perfect thing, you know, because it's like, you know, you're, you're not trying to control nature even. You're just giving it a leg up and allowing it to run itself. Um, it happens on natural cycles. So, you know, if, with a mushroom growing kit, you'll probably be harvesting your first flush in three weeks. And, you know, you've had five flushes before like three months later and that'll be it. But with the log, you know, it'd take like a year, you know, back to patients. It'll take a year before you get your first flush minimum, maybe longer. Um, but then, you know, you could be harvesting three, four, five times a year for like six or eight years as what would happen in nature. So yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And it's, um, it's like, the next level you know like our our business is based on our model is based on leveling people up through the through their growing you know so someone might buy a kit to start with then they might buy like a kilo of spawn and have a pop at a bucket grow um and then once they've got a bit of faith in the concept then they might try a log grow you know and it's just all about leveling people up and, and providing those small stepping stones up to the final place and we've got like our perfect customer um, would be someone who buys a mushroom kit now and in, a, mm. you know, and in 18 months has a small mushroom business. And, you know, like that sounds like a big idea and a big dream. And when I first said that that's one of my goals, I was like, that might not actually happen so quickly, but fuck me, it has. There's like, we've been going about 18 months and I think like there's probably like three mushroom businesses that have come and they started with a kit <laughs> in that period, you know, and that's bonkers. That's serious impact in my book 
I, I love that. I mean, I, I'm from a digital marketing background and I will happily try and rebel any customer journey, but I am fully on your customer journey. You've just explained that. <laughs> and it's not bullshit, which is refreshing. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I absolutely love that, and, and 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 to hear that those conditions are forgiven outside, especially with with temperatures that we sometimes see yeah. in this country now. You just choose. Um, you just choose. Look, you just got to like. You wouldn't go and try and grow like a tropical strain of mushrooms outside in the UK. You know, we've got fantastic mushrooms grown in our woods. Why not just try an oyster? You know, mm-hmm. um, or, or or a hen of the woods or something like that. Yes, yeah, so I'm fully on that customer journey and I'm, I'm exploring ways that we can here incorporate mushrooms in. I was speaking to Jack before. I mean, I run a, a, a veg box scheme. We do 60 veg boxes at the moment. When yep. you get to winter, we continue it going because it's difficult to lose customers and bring them back in in, in mm-hmm. the market we're in. Yeah. So we keep going. And at this time of year, we put eight things in the box. Four of them are from us. Four of them are from um, uh, resources and, and places we know and trust. Um, have the same sort of ethics but i'd love more of those things to to be our own through the winter yeah. and the yeah. way to do that is is controlled environments and mm-hmm. things like mushrooms and microgreens and those sorts of things so yeah. we're looking at ways of incorporating that in and we put we only put we put bought in even it was just brown closed cut mushrooms in the boxes this week and it was <laughs> i got more messages for that than the stuff we grew which i was a bit upset about but <laughs> it was just it was good to get that feedback from just well, let me, even let me something just that's in on that now that's exactly what i'm talking about when your small business don't resist like go mm. with what it is you know you didn't think that that was what it was going to be you know you imagined it was your gorgeous artichokes and whatnot or like you know something along those lines but like you know if if it takes you down that direction then just bloody run with it you know absolutely absolutely and i think you're right you hit the nail on the head earlier when you're a small business you have to you have to run down those roads as quickly as you can um but yeah, so that that's where where I'm at, and I'm, I'm again using this as a consultation session, which is why I started this podcast in the first <laughs> place. But um, th- th- there are ways. I know you and Jack have spoken about it in the past. Can you tell us a little bit about ways of growing mushrooms outside and how yeah. that can not only give you mushrooms but also improve soil and those sorts of things. Yeah. Oh, like I get. I mean, I've said I get frustrated by things a few times on this, and this is one that really bugs me. Like, mm. <laughs> not to be undersold. Why are more people not doing mushroom gardening? I, I literally, I cannot fathom it. I don't get it. I don't understand why it's not happening more because like you get loads of people sprouting about, oh um, yeah, like we're a great permaculture facility. We do stuff for how nature does it, la la la. And I'm just like, well, where are your mushrooms then? You know, it's like they are fundamental to a permaculture style of living, I believe. Um, and it's because they, they, they just have, have symbiotic relationships with everything, you know. You can use mushrooms in your mulch. You can use mushrooms in your pathways. You can set up separate mushroom beds. You can use mushrooms in the tree that was about to fall over on your plot, but you decided to trim it back. You can use mushrooms, like, in the bathtub that the local wrongans dropped on your site, you know. <laughs> like, they can they go anywhere if you give them the right things just the basic things and it's like i keep batting on about it like just give them the basics so just good nutrients a little bit of consideration about your site selection and that's it they'll just run you know these things are fantastically developed to survive um so it's not that 
hard a thought that <laughs> that that then you won't kill them off too easy. And the way I like to look at it is this: if you had like a ten meter squared rhubarb bed, right? What you've got there is ten meters of growing space. There's absolutely no reason why you wouldn't mulch with some straw and put some wine cap mushrooms in there. All of a sudden, mm. you've got twenty meters squared of grow space. Oh, and by the way, your soil ecology improves. Oh, and by the way, they kill off pests. Oh, and by the way, they put oxygen back into the soil. Oh, and by the way, they help with soil structure. Oh, and by the way, they help with the passage of water through the soil. You know, it's like, why the hell wouldn't you? Um, and the only reason for it, the way I see it, is that you just don't know because anyone who knows jumps right on it. I'm sure they do. Um, and uh, that's, yeah, that's where we come in, really. <laughs> Uh, can I put an order of wine cat mushrooms? Please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just writing that down. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, it's, um, hands up. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, and I've been going for and years that, and, and I don't know. Like, and it's nobody's fault. It's nobody's fault. Like, you know, you can only learn what's been put in front of you. And, and I think that's the thing. There aren't enough people putting effort into putting it in front of other people. And like, that's really where like I see myself having a big impact is like mm. raising awareness of, these concepts that at the minute are pretty quiet in our growing culture. Um, but I think in the next few years, um, certainly if I've got anything to do about it, will be massive. Yeah. Uh, I love it, mate, because every time we've, we've met up, we've spoken about mushroom, like gardening. I'm always thinking I'll set aside like, like a chicken wire bit, fill it with um, Anything, uh, like wood chip and, and stuff like that. And, and to be fair, like what I've done to, today and i have been doing the last couple of days is the what i love is the symbiotic relationship amongst the shipping container and the farm so all my microgreen uh, trays are like coconut coir filled with root residue mm. they go in the compost seat but also yeah. now i'm growing uh mushrooms to the faint uh to the thanks of you um to the level i do um and i've got bags of mycelium straw now so yeah. once that is so spent mushroom compost and any beds that I need mulching. So for example, at the minute is like a kale bed and that soil it's used a lot of nutrients and I'm not, I don't have enough compost to just top it up yet. So I'm just yeah. mulching the whole bed with uh, mycelium spent straw. And it's, yeah. it's brilliant. It's going back. I know exactly where all my waste is going. I don't create any waste. No. Uh, That's it. Yeah. It's I, brilliant. I, well, and the thing is like, like to treat it as waste is wasteful because mm. of how many good properties that like spent, yeah. You know, if you harvest it like after two or three flushes, that's still very, very active. So how it works basically with mushrooms is like if you're growing it in a controlled space, like a grow bag, it'll do, you know, often do like a massive first and second, maybe third flush as it's like really like powerfully trying to reproduce at its best. And then as it runs out of energy, it's like a bit like us, you know, towards the end of a marathon, you start to dither. And it's like, if you just introduce that to more material, it will just spread and grow and reboot and go again. Something mm. you said, uh, I saw one of your posts, Jack, and it was like, best Black Friday deal, go collect some leaves from the forest and put it in your mulch or whatever it was. Mm. That's brilliant. And that's exactly, you, know, you can do that with mushrooms as well, you know, like just introduce fresh organic matter with your spent bags or your spent whatever, or fresh grain spawn, and it'll move into that and it'll start doing the business in there as well. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be, it's not expensive. Um, and it's not hard. It's just, you know, you just got to actually give it a go and, and have a bit of faith in the concept. 
Yeah, we're, we're throwing away gold. I see leaves everywhere at the minute, and it pisses me off. Why are they putting them in in bags? <laughs> yeah, council's the black bag them up. Yeah, <laughs> I just I can't believe the stupidity. Sometimes you walk around on this planet, and you're like, "Am I the smart?" Well, like I don't. I went, I went to a bit of a crap school, and then my mates still rip a load of us that went to a certain school, and then I'm thinking. But sometimes <laughs> I'm thinking of ideas and these councils and governments are not doing it. Uh, I, I think, as you said, a lot of it will come from the top, but a lot of it will be grassroots as mm, well. Mm. Like people start businesses like that as well. Yeah. Um, I think the, the thing is as well, I'm, I, I try and be fair with like my praise of what people are doing. And in the same way, as I say it about ourselves, like, you know, we're not perfect and we try with, you know, within our means, like, you know, like, is there plastic in the product? Yes. But do we use recycled plastics everywhere we can? Do we use compostable plastics everywhere we can? Yes. You know, like, mm. do we educate people about how to throw it away? Yes. And like, if we overlay those same rules of judgment over, you know, like government bodies and things like that, in some places, they're doing a fantastic job of trying. And, you yeah. know, it's in our brand book. It's like, if you're not the one to save the world, be the one that tries. And that's the most important thing that if mm. you try, you know, then you're not going to go far wrong anyway. And, but it's inconsistent. And that's the problem that I've got is it's like, there's this awareness and it's being done correctly in some places. Like for example, like the waste disposal sort of not method or system or whatever you want to call it in like Bristol is far more advanced than here. Yeah. And, and it's like, why is that? It's like one government, I know they're split into councils, but ultimately the people creating legislation around this, a governmental level, like, why is that consistency not being rolled out, you know, everywhere? Because mm. I'm, hu I'm hungry to recycle in the correct way, but it's just not available mm. in, 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 oh, in our area, totally. you know, to do it to, to the sort of level of what you can. Yeah. Our, our London borough that I'm in, you don't even have a food waste bin. And I think that's just, that, that's, a bo that's bottom line. Um, that's, that's energy. You're throwing energy in the bin. You know, you, you take that down to a biogas facility and, you know, you, you, you throw like a bin's worth of waste away and like all of us and some poor sods missing out on five minutes of TV somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you couldn't agree more. Couldn't you're right. More. I, I, th I think in San Francisco, they find people if you don't yeah. uh, recycle properly and then they've got huge plants where they're making an insane amount of compost. Yeah. Um, and then we can and go back, back into the community, isn't it? I think. Yeah. 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 It, it goes straight back. So, um, you, it's a, a, as gardeners know, they call it like, uh, like, uh, black gold compost. Um, yeah. And we're, we're, we're throwing it away. We're throwing it away. Like, uh, you've got, uh, coffee in the bin, you've got uh, bananas in the bin and all gardeners know you put that on your plot and then that yeah. dilutes down. And then that's, uh, just really good nutrients. We just got to close the loop a lot more mm. and, and hope conversations like this really do help so if anyone is listening it's yeah. just educating more and more people do, do you guys know i mean i don't know this is actually a genuine question like but in school do kids get taught how to recycle i, I have no idea no <clears throat> I, just, I just think kids are more aware now i knew i was when i was a kid um but, but it's like it's it doesn't like, come from school no no but it's like that's that's like that's like a two-hour lesson if that and it's something they can get active with. And it's like, well, why isn't that being done? Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's just so weird. It's so weird. Like that, like in some places there's loads of this effort and spend and, and whatnot being done, but then actually like the basics aren't getting done. The, the ripple effect of that is massive. Cause you remember that as a kid quite yeah, big time, uh, big time, um, 
quite a lot and it's something I've, I've actually meaning to speak to one of my old teachers she lives across the road um at my primary school because i want to do the plastic bottle greenhouse but at my primary school yeah go back awesome. and, and that's just like you're growing food and you're recycling and kids are like mom i don't, don't chuck this bottle away because i need it for school like yeah how, exactly yeah how, like the fair uh what is it fairy liquid adverts used to be like where they saying oh i want to build a I want to wait for that bottle to finish so I can make a rocket out of it. But it, yeah, 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 it, it does ingrain a little bit more when you're doing that sort of stuff at school. I think, but not even just at school education in general. And like now, this what I'm about to say is like where I feel that urban farming can actually make a really big impact on people. So we're like we sell a high volume of product to all sorts of people all over the country, all over the world, actually, and it's like the impact that I see us making is not the fact that they've grown a kilo of mushrooms and, and, you know, they've maybe not bought, maybe they've they maybe not bought like one more waste container in the shop in, instead. The difference for us is like, say you imagine that like 10,000 people bought a mushroom kit. If like a hundred of those people slightly changed their behavior as a result, moving forward and taught their gener- lower generations following them, that slightly changed behavior that's an enormous impact and of those 100 if 10 of them seriously change their behavior like starting a small-scale mushroom farm that supplies local community again that's an enormous impact and like like you say it's it's the butterfly effect of all this stuff Mm. um we we kind of operate of the thoughts like the same as like team sky bike racing which is like um, mar- ag- ma- marginal aggregate, uh, no, aggregate marginal gains, right, is what they work on the principle of that. So it's lots and lots of small changes add up very, very, very quickly, especially when it's something with continuity, like mm. education is, because that continues to impact people forever. Mm. Oh, amazing. This is conversation we need to be having. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> There's such a risk in these podcasts for me because <laughs> when they um when something really rings true and it starts to impact me, my brain instantly goes 100 mile an hour thinking about how what changes I can make. Yeah. And when you're a podcast host, that is a problem because you suddenly go very quiet and your eyes go distant and you start. <laughs> you, and I'm not. I've not tuned out. I've been there the whole time. Like my brain is also yeah. trying to find find that and and that happens last time that happened we had uh, michael from a uh, compost club on and he runs a business that picks up yeah, people's yeah. waste food turns it into yeah. compost gives it back to them and i and then we had um jay i'm on who was talking about the old french model where they would deliver vegetables into a town on that same truck they would then bring the horse manure back out of the town and that yeah. would go to the farms and so my mind was going 100 mile an hour and thought well we're delivering veg boxes why don't we pick up their food waste bring it back to the farm yeah, yeah that's yeah. a loop it just happens with you as well, <laughs> because the way well, you're talking about uh, last year, I went big on interplanting and creating as much diversity in growing beds as possible. And mm-hmm. at no point in any of that planning did I ever think mushrooms. Not once. Error. I'm going, yeah. right, spring onions with lettuce. I'm going this with that. Under sowing phacelia because it'll be good ground coverage and yeah. nitrogen fixers. Not once did I think mushrooms. And so that is just for, for I know there's a lot of market gardeners and, and, and growers on here. That is going to be a huge um, thing that people are going to take from this and, and want to run with. Um, yeah. Have you got well, resources around that? At yeah. The well, well, the, the, the main reason, one of the main resources that we've got is, is me and the team. Like, mm. you know, we, like I said earlier, we take calls for all sorts of things. And like, if somebody wants to just ring up and have a chinwag about mushrooms, like more than happy to do that. 
an appropriate time. Like it's just, you know, Jack keeps saying it, it's getting the conversation going, like just talk about it, support each other. Um, so there's that, but then there's, yeah, there are also resources like it's, you know, we, we're still young and, and my vision for where we will be with regards our educational uh, infrastructure, we're nowhere near 1% of, of it yet because, you know, I've got big bloody plans. Um, it's coming basically. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not going to go write in a book because that's not the type of guy I am, but I will, I will be making shitloads of videos and I will, you know, have an open door policy. If any of your listeners want to reach out and learn a little bit more about how they can incorporate this stuff. Awesome. That's amazing. Thank you, mate. We, we've got like a few more questions like left and they're, they're so different, aren't they, Chris? As well. <laughs> like, yeah, but, but um, yeah, no, cause I'm, I've, what I've loved about this point is we've kind of gone off on tangents as well because it's flowed so well uh, talking about uh, mush, like mushrooms and just, everything around it i feel like we could even split this podcast into many more and we'll have to get you back on mate and just you will yeah and have to have a right good chinwag about us like what chris was saying about like about like um you know guests who make him like zone out that's yeah. also i'm like i'm like your best and your very worst guest because nobody can make <laughs> me shut nobody can get me to shut up either <laughs> like when i get started i just sprout because like i've got such i've got so much going on in my head you know yeah. that, that i'm constantly thinking about I, I really don't ever switch off from it now that mm. i'm now urban farmer is like it's an obsession for me and like when i say that it sounds right. cheesy but sounds cheesy but i like i genuinely feel like it's my destiny to do this now yeah you know, yeah you know you you do when you're in it when you're, it's, it's passion fueled isn't it that's that's going to be half your juice when you're running low it's like pure passion like uh, that's it when my first year growing i was like doing pepper seeds at 10 at night because well actually <laughs> I I, love that. it's because i was um I was, I was really into the biodynamics as well. And it was like, oh, if the moon is different tomorrow, it affects it. And, and, I, and I bring my girlfriend. I was meant to cook her dinner. And I was getting her to do it as well. I was like, no, these peppers got to go in. She's half having a go at me. And I was just like <laughs> obsessed with it. And I nearly threw my relationship down the pan because of it. But yeah, um, yeah you need yeah. a strong woman behind you, mate. Like, yeah, you, you yeah. do. No, you do. She, she's Big great. She, she puts up with it, which, you, which is great. But uh, I feel like a lot of our uh, generation as well now is we, we've, we've kind of brought up with the world kind of, we know where it's going and we can see it where it's going. And, and a lot of us are young, man, we're getting into this space mm. and we're, and we're passionate. And as you said, yeah. like uh, when we're like 40, 50, 60, it's going to be interesting. Like I always think we're going to be a bit plant wizards and mushroom yeah. wizards. We're probably oh. like druids. Man, I hate, like <laughs> I, yeah, I hate, I hate seeing like, okay, look, there's a place for activism. It gets stuff done fine. But what I hate is seeing is like, young folk or old folk having a go directly at people who weren't informed you know like the reality is that like my mum and people like her didn't know yeah what was going Great. on you know didn't know that plastic was all of a sudden going to be put in every fucking thing you know yeah, true and it's like the same sort of thing then correlates over when you, you know, you, you say you have like these guys chopping down the rainforest and it's like, okay, they know, but they, they're the ones with the back, they're back to the wall. And like, we've had our industrial revolution as well. So, you know, like message out to people, like be activists, be loud, be, you know, all the things that make change happen. 
but also like weigh up who you're talking to because you can impact other people very negatively by sprouting your beliefs without fully understanding where they're they're at on their journey you yeah. know like you need to have an appreciation of like okay they're not as progressed in the same direction as you but like are they trying to get down there now and you know are they doing the right things now and it's like yeah just support each other <laughs> to make the right decisions don't try and force them mm. Yeah, you. you yeah, it's like being a. What we're doing is activism. That's what I like. Mm. Like, I don't need to go in a march in in London or whatever. I, I'm no. doing it. I'm on the field doing it. And it's having activity. And I, yeah. Yeah, because ultimately, like when you've got your hands in the ground, like you're physically, there's change happening there. Like we're we're drawing down nutrients. We're talking about it, and we're 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 hopefully getting more people to grow food, and that's the important thing. And yeah, and reconnecting with nature. Um, God, man, we've gone way off. Um, <laughs> um, it's bloody hard not to, mate. I enjoy, you know, I like, enjoy I it. This, though. That's yeah. why I love doing we, this. We, yeah. we love it, mate. We absolutely love it. And the re- I think that's the reason me and Chris started this podcast because we can have like an hour or so where we just like everything that's going on up here, we can get it and we just chat. We're passionate about it. With other people who are passionate, yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> and but everyone listening, we're, hopefully we're giving them that juice to, for them to do it. Right. So there's another question I really want to ask me, and that's about aquaponics. God, yeah. Uh, God, we haven't even touched on it. <laughs> oh, I, I know. And I know that's like God. as you as we spoke, as you said earlier, it's like your background, but uh where does urban farming fit in with aquaponics? Yeah. So you know, in line with what we were saying about when you're a small business, you know, you you go where the tide takes you. Um we started trading or we started business activity like January, 2020, you know, when Corona was sort of like flopping around in East Asia somewhere. Um, and, uh, originally my plan had been to be an aquaculture slash aquaponics consultant as a starting point, you know, saw what was happening with Corona decided to flip the business model on its head and actually go in at products first. Um, e-commerce first, bloody good decision for us as a business. Right. But that's not, Mushrooms, like I say, when I first came up with the idea, mushrooms like was not even really on the radar. So the very like as a, it was on the radar as a hobby, but not as a product. Like I was like, I didn't even think to sell mushrooms when I was first thinking about urban farming. This is ridiculous. I did a fisheries and aquaculture degree, and there wasn't a specific module on aquaponics. That was 2012 to 2015, right? That shows how progressive this concept is. That now it's about to be everywhere. So. I see the, the big future of urban farming as um, aquaponics and, and, and associated things like that. Um, it's just that for us right now, it's like, we've just got to make the right bit. You know, you've only got so many hours in the day. We're already run ragged and, and you just got to, you know, take, take the small fruit, take the low hanging fruit first. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it's the timing of it. And the, and I do believe in fate is it's going to play dividends in the long term because we're growing this fantastic following um, and contacts and everything, um, which will allow us to introduce an even more scary concept than mushroom farming aquaponics to people, you know? And it's like, I've learned so much from teaching people about mushrooms that I can now go and apply to our progress in aquaponics down the line. Um, but you know, where are we on, on the route to having a lot more involvement with aquaponics again is like, we've got, you know, I mean, Jack's seen it. We've got some prototype aquaponics tanks, um, which are pretty bloody progressive and, you know, really seem to be doing the business. 
but it, it's a, it's a resource heavy thing to, to bring out a brand new product like that. Um, such a big one. And um, we're just not quite ready for it yet, but we will be. Um, and we still do bits and bobs with consultancy, you know, like I had a guy up in Glasgow um, who wanted to set up a small aquaponic system in his, in his garage. Like, so we helped him to do that and, you know, stuff like that, but I'm, I'm kind of being patient with it really because I don't want to, I don't want to force it. You know, I don't want to go against the tide when all this low hanging fruit in the form of mushrooms is, is, you know, what's really doing the business and engaging people right now. It's so good to hear because I mean, aquaponics seems like such an amazing solution to something. And I'll hold my hands up when I heard first about hydroponics mm. on its own and, and, what, and what my sort of initial, I, I, I'll be honest, I brushed it aside because my initial thought was that growing simply in water and having to feed water mm. is a bit like growing tomatoes and fertilizing broken ground like tomatoes that you grow yourself yeah. versus tomatoes you get from the supermarket mm, yeah. so that was my thought because but as soon as you look at then aquaponics and that's mm. the introduction of of yeah, yeah. sea light or, or, or fish or whatever under that then feed that nutrients it's, it's yeah. a no-brainer isn't it well it's just copying what nature does again everything yeah. that we do at urban farm is just copying what nature does and it's like that's the best way to go about it mm. um i think you know if i was to be quite critical of uh, look i i aquaculture as a whole gets loads of stick in the press, mm. particularly the salmon industry for all of these various problems. Um, I think a lot of the stick they get is bullshit. Like I'll call that out now um, because I've worked in the industry and I know the good that it can do. We've just got to iron out some bumps in the road. And, you know, like one of those for me that, it, you know, it needs to be an immediate challenge to sort out is, is the, the source of nutrients within aqu aquaponic and fish feed. Um, you know, it's currently most of the fish that we enjoy to eat are um, carnivorous fish. Um, and therefore, a lot of their feed has fish meal in it. And, it, you know, it, it, a lot of work needs to be done on that to make more environmentally friendly diets for the fish. And once you can crack that, aquaponics will be like utopia for solving world hunger, basically. You know, like you can have a fish farm in the desert if you want to. You know, you can have a fish farm at altitude if you want to, because everything's controlled. There's no output, really. You know, you don't get leaching of chemicals and things like that, heavy metals, whatnot, into the food that you're growing. You know, you only get out what you put in. So it's got, it's got really got a good place. But I feel like it's, um, there's work to be done before it's that perfect place. This might be getting a bit deep for the podcast, but where are they on that journey? Do you know? Are they just in that <laughs> oh. the fish meal? Well, you know what? There, there's good progress being made. Like, I mean, it, it's being looked at. That's a start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for something to be on the journey. It's on the road. That's, you know, that's for sure. Can it, can it happen quick enough? Like, I just don't know. But I, I'm fairly confident that, that the guys who are much more clever than me will get to grips with it because... And it's another one. It has to be it has to be driven from the top. It has to become more effort to not change mm. than 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 it is to just adapt. And um, you know, it, it will get there. I mean, like I think that they've done a few trials where they feed salmon like alternative feeds, not from fish meal and you know more veggie based stuff, and and that's really good. Insect meal is the future for that. Black fly larvae, things like that, getting used because mm. you can create a full set of nutrients for fish out of insect meal, um, pretty much. And it's just, um, but it's just a case of making it affordable and, and the industry maturing enough. You know, the fish farming industry is mega. It's bloody enormous. And to feed that volume 
um, you know, the, the supply chain needs to be mature first. Absolutely love that. Um, we could we could talk to you about it for, for hours and I, I would love to ask a hundred more questions, but I'm, I'm conscious that I know that you've got your team grafting behind. And we're just yeah, yeah, I'll a just see it up here. But you seem to have an amazing team around you um, from yeah. what we see on social media. Yeah. How important has that been for Urban Farm? And, and secondary to that, how do you how do you as a, as a boss balance that work um, um, and morale? Yeah, well, it's fundamental. Um, like. I think we're just flexible and we give and take. And um, well, for a start, I don't like, I don't like people calling me boss. <laughs> um, you know, like that's point one. Like we, we all work together. Like, okay, my role is to call the shots and your role is to make a box. But actually we're all progressing towards that same end game. And I think as well that like the team's great because we've chosen people who are like ourselves and who share our values you know we're very value driven as a business and even with our customers like i had somebody call me the other day looking to um stock some of our kits and like one of my main questions was like what are your business values you know like we don't want to interact and boost up you know businesses that aren't in line with us and and like we carry that kind of like mentality over into when we when we choose staff and um it's paying dividends because they're all invested in the brand you know, they really believe in what we're doing. Um, and like I say, I think at, as an employer, you need to have flexibility, particularly as, you know, they're being flexible with me. Like these are temporary staff, you know, like I said earlier, all of our trade is done at the tail end of the year. Like you can't expect someone who, when you're not paying for their mortgage to be as devoted to you as they would be, as you are to your own project. And I think just like an appreciation of the fact that it's not their business um, when you come to being like giving them a hard time or whatnot. I mean, I, I mean, look, I'm, I'd say I'm firm, but fair, but I'll, one of the guys can probably call in and correct me on that. And we have a good laugh and that's the main thing. Uh, Elliot, just before we, we do like a little bit of a quick fire questions by the end, <laughs> but we want to know what's coming next from urban farm it. Yeah. Um, well, we've had like a massive year. Um, as you know, um, we, we're now the, sole distributors for mycelia grain spawn to the uk which is a massive deal for us so you know anybody in industry who purchases grain spawn um you know hopefully they'll be coming to us in the near future so maturing that relationship is, is a big one but basically i just want to because i want to you know further develop our educational infrastructure with our mushroom growing and foraging courses um i want to become more like a one-stop shop for mushroom growing stuff because you know like you say oh just go get some straw somebody lives in london can't easily just go get some straw you know yeah. and it's like having come from an agricultural background i didn't really have an appreciation of how difficult people find to source the basic ingredients that you need um so yeah mushroom one-stop shop this year education and uh, just putting out good vibes basically good Love it. So it does come to that all important quick fire questions then. And we've actually <laughs> adapted our quick fire questions specifically you? for you. Okay. So, um, we'll, <laughs> we'll start it off. <laughs> yeah. We'll start off. What's your favorite mushroom? Let's keep it simple. Oh, God. Um, gourmet or, or, or full stop? Because if, if I have to tell you the one that's had the most impact on me, it's Liberty Caps, right? Just because it that that was the route I, that I, that's the thing that introduced me to mushrooms in the first place, you know, was 
thinking, oh, wow, that's great fun. Let's take a psychedelic mushroom. And what I didn't realize was that was me taking a first step down something that would totally change my life in a positive way. So I've got a lot of love for that. But then to eat like our, our, our white uh, oyster, white elm mushroom is it's a banger. <laughs> awesome. Definitely. Favorite mushroom growing hack or tip? Oh, um, only because only because it's helped you so much, mate, uh, Jack. It, it's keep it simple is the, yeah. it, is, is the key is the key tip. Um, it really is, mate. Oh, yeah. I actually, it's it it's changed the course of my year. Yeah, I hope that's so. how much. That's how much um, that keep it simple um, really is. Um, oh man, I think that's so. I think that's in life as well. Keep it simple for a lot of things. Um, but yeah, yeah really, I've, I've got to thank you a lot, man, because <laughs> yeah, help, helping me with the mushrooms and, and, and stripping it back really. really Just to give it a bit of perspective, like what we're talking about here is that it's very easy to like reload the material online and look like if you're growing a lot of mushrooms you do need to have very controlled conditions right but if you're looking to just pump out some gourmet oyster mushrooms just keep it simple you know jack was getting all hung up on like master's mix and like pressure cookers and all this shit Mm. and it's like you don't even need that bro keep it simple stick to straw get growing and just like learn learn with experience not from the screen you know yeah brilliant thanks (laughs) thanks <laughs> love it um this one's based on like what to grow and um, i'm gonna say mushroom but also it could be a crop too maybe an aquaponics or anything but what's the least favorite mushroom or crop to grow like the actual process of growing it what do you oh, the process most? of growing it oh. yeah um i don't really have a least favorite you know like for the whole process i think there's things you have least favorites for for certain parts of Mm-hmm. you know like i was talking to my girlfriend about this the other day and i was and we were talking about like you know what should we plant in our garden in the coming year and whatnot and like doing a little plan and she was like oh yeah we'll put some courgettes down and i was like fucking hate courgettes mate <laughs> you know like they're, they're, they're prickly and and i'm not that overwhelmed when i finally get them um yeah. so i think if i was to say something specific about it it'd be that um i'd find it really hard to like write off something throughout the whole process because everything i think everything at some stage in its life cycle has a challenge that you hate but also mm. has reward for you you know mm. yeah Great absolutely answer. oh well actually this answers the next one doesn't it really <laughs> it's like, <laughs> i was gonna say like uh, is there any uh, mushrooms or crops that everyone else loves but you hate to eat well yeah it's definitely the I, by the sound. <laughs> no, it, well actually it, to eat no like yeah i think they're a bit a bit like of Oh, is that it? You know, I, I do think that, but that doesn't mean I dislike them. You know, they've got their place on the plate. Um, for me, it's a weird one. Cause like I devour everything put in front of me generally, but one thing I can't do is celery, <laughs> wow. you know? So for me, that's always been the blacklister and, and I think forever will be like, it's the one thing I never grew up off, you know? you're our perfect customer because i struggle to grow it anyway so it's all good <laughs> yeah it's all good no i think i'm i'm with you celery was like it's in the top ones of uh that i didn't like uh, for me it was more on its own i was yeah. like oh geez that is Stick so celery no nah, not for me mate no. no especially when people like oh put peanut butter on it i'm like i love <laughs> i have peanut butter with everything but 
jog on well, whoever, uh, whoever that is don't introduce him to me <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny one isn't it because there is that thing if it burns more calories eating it especially raw and if you would go back to i don't know if we went right back to sort of caveman times i know they wouldn't eat it anyway and you introduce them to something that would literally give them less energy than <laughs> they had before it would just never be grown so it's a funny one i, I like it a lot but we're I, back I to that cyclical funny. thing about like what's, yeah. what, what's good and it's like what would they have thought was great and they'd think that was pretty stupid so yeah. <laughs> uh so it comes to the all important one and this is probably going to be when you're growing mushrooms or you're in the garden with the other half or possibly in the office but do you prefer to uh look on your empire let's say <laughs> with a morning coffee or an afternoon beer okay right yeah <laughs> you know what jack will vouch for me on this one traditionally it's a bit afternoon beer all day long right good but I've got to say that of late, when I've become a more focused human being, <laughs> the, the, the thing that actually is best for me and therefore the one that I've got to choose is the morning coffee, you know? Uh, I think team coffee seems to be winning. I, I think it's the initial it excitement is. of hearing afternoon beer, like your mind's just going towards it. But I think all of us start to, there's something about kicking off the day, right? It's like that, that morning treat. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's that headspace. What, what yeah. I like around it. It's, it's, um, it's a maturity thing, man. Like I, is, I, feel, yeah. I feel like a kid still, you know, like my, my body's starting to get knackered and I don't recover from injury like I used to, but yeah. I still feel very childish in my brain. And, uh, like you say, my natural tendency is just to be like, oh, yeah, beer. Yeah, let's go for a beer. I did it to you the other day, actually. <laughs> you did, um, yeah. I did, yeah. But, but, but you know, if, if I just like calm down for a moment and, and put my thinking cap on, like truly the one that sets me off right is, is that crisp first coffee in the morning. Mm. We, we, need to get a, we need to get a coffee sponsor here, Chris, don't we? Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. We talk about it enough. We do, we do. It's, it's, it's so, I thought it was going to go, hot, that question, but we're now in season two. And I thought that question was going to be afternoon beer, bang, 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 bang. Yeah. And, and it's gone exactly as you just described it for everyone. They've gone, oh yeah, afternoon beer, but actually, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's that thing of when you have an afternoon beer or you get to your second or your third and you go, oh, actually, I've got to do that in the morning. <laughs> well, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. You didn't, you didn't ask me morning coffee or three afternoon beers. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't ask ask you the question after two afternoon beers either, which I guess would be another different yeah. answer. Nice yeah. one. Where can people go to find you online, man? Uh, well, if I do my job right, soon everywhere. But um, <laughs> no, so yeah, the website's um, urban-farm-it.com. Um, that's the best spot if you want to go and find our educational material and you know check out the products. Um, You've got a YouTube channel, Urban Farm hyphen it, uh, which is f fledgling but uh, but growing. So go check that out. That'd be great for you guys to support me on that one. And then uh, of course Instagram, where you can pretty much keep up with what we do day to day, and and we'll throw some deals out here and there, and you know just to have a good dialogue, really. Awesome, Man, thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing, um, and please do come back on. We'd love to. to... I've had great fun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's been great. We'll pretend it was a real slog when you go back down to the warehouse with the team. <laughs> well, they, they won't believe that because they'll hear me like laugh my head off for like, the last hour. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Cheers, yeah, Elliot. No worries, mate. See you guys.
Thanks so much to you, the listener, for listening to this episode of the Food Grower Podcast. We thought it was an amazing one with Elliot there from Urban Farm It. If you want to find out more about what we do, then head over to foodgrower.co.uk and there is a huge list of topics in the show notes for this, so do go check them out. If you want to get more access to us, to the podcast, to unedited versions or to extra information, then head over to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash foodgroweracademy. And just finally, a massive thank you to Elliot, a massive thank you to you for listening and a massive thank you to our sponsors as well, to Direct Plants Limited and to Natural Grower. We have so many great guests lined up for season two. Elliot was just the first one and we ended up chatting for hours. It was a brilliant episode. So make sure you do hit that subscribe button on your podcast app so you don't miss the next one. Cheers. Cheers.